Welcome to Caring Support Podcast. This week we have a tremendous individual up from the U.S. His name is David, and I'm going to get him to introduce himself. But first of all, I just wanted to say that it's, it's taken a bit to get this gentleman to do this with us, purely because he's so busy. He's got so much going on, but, you know, it's really great to see you, Dave, yet again. And I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we can do a masterful job of letting our audience know the amazing things that you're doing every day in healthcare. So welcome, David Dibble. And uh, could you please maybe introduce yourself, please? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. Um, well, uh, thank you, James. Um, well, I mean, I'm I'm just uh, kind of a, a guy, you know, uh, out there uh, trying to change the world. Uh, in this particular case, uh, trying to change the world of uh, healthcare. And we've we've basically uh, developed a, a program that uh, people can um, introduce, uh, primarily with staff, uh, to actually change the systems in which we uh, deliver care, and in so doing. Uh, reduce burnout rates and staff shortages and increase the, you know, quality of care and safety, all those things, you know, that uh, I think healthcare has really been looking for uh, recently. So that's sort of me in a nutshell. That's awesome. Thank you, Dave. And I really appreciate it. It's okay if I call you Dave as opposed to David. Sure. Uh, yeah, whatever, okay. whatever feels okay. right. <laughs> Just making sure. Um, so our lovely Callie in marketing, she's going to ask you all the questions uh, beyond what I've stated. So please, Callie, if you can carry on. For sure. David, what made you get into your line of work? Um, well, it's a it's a bit of a long story, which I'll try to keep somewhat brief. Um, I got out of college and started a company you know, with about $5,000 in the back of an old warehouse. And over time, we built it to about a $10 million business. I had a, 100 or so employees. And uh, I was still relatively young, and I guess you'd say uh, relatively uh, you know, successful. But um, I thought once you have all the stuff, you're supposed to be happy. And um, I was somewhat uh, dismayed to find out that I wasn't. And so I sort of you know, started looking into some of those uh, bigger questions in life. You know, who are we and why are we here and what's the purpose of life and those sorts of things. And um, that got me um, introduced to um, a guy named W. Edwards Deming. He's probably the number one quality guru in history. He's credited with turning Japan around after World War II and he taught Toyota uh, how to do it. Um, and um, I looked at implementing uh, his teachings uh, in my own company. And it took the company from being a good company to being a great company. And then uh, that got me on this whole path to systems-based quality. And eventually I got pulled to healthcare and, you know, kind of brings us, you know, to today. Uh, interesting, Dave. I, um, I know when we talked the first time, I was very intrigued by this because, you know, you're the one delving into looking at processes and and the way things are done and and how you have checks and balances and how you close the loop and and i think that's amazing because you know whether you're in the us or you're in canada we've got lots of challenges in both our healthcare systems all day long um so you know i'm very intrigued with with how you go about doing this um 
Well, you know, it's interesting, um, <clears throat> excuse me, about the same time that I ran into Deming's work, this was in the uh, early 1980s, I ran into the work of um, Dr. Ilya Prigogine, and he had won a Nobel Prize for his Law of Dissipative Structures. Right. And um, the Law of Dissipative Structures is really probably the most powerful unknown principle um, that's actually driving what we're seeing in healthcare right now, because it describes how all systems, whether we're talking about systems in uh, nature, the, the physical universe, or man-made systems that we might look at in healthcare or any other man-made system, um, how they grow, evolve, and change. And, you know, Deming tells us that about 94% of the re outcomes we get, good and bad, are a function of these systems, not our individual efforts. So just imagine, here we are, you know, we're trying to change healthcare and make it better and make it work better. But, you know, we tend to focus on trying to change the people rather than change the systems, which are actually producing the vast majority of the outcomes. So um, Prigogine's work basically becomes uh, an afterburner. I mean, it's just, um, it's just an accelerator of Deming's work. And so now we've got a way to really accelerate the change process by sort of combining uh, Prigogine's work and the law of dissipative structures with uh, Deming's work with basically improving quality and safety and those types of things. Interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to more. Callie, please. So you came up with the 3D problem solving. So can you tell us a little bit about that and how this method was developed? Well, going back to um, kind of the work with Deming and Prigogine, and then there was actually another um, really amazing individual that I ran into um, around this time. This was say, a little bit later, but uh, his name was uh, Don Miguel Ruiz. And he wrote a book uh, called The Four Agreements, which became an international bestseller. I right. think he's probably sold 5 million copies by now. But um, I was very fortunate to actually work uh, with him for about eight years. And he was working in the area of um, personal transformation. And so uh, I learned a ton about personal transformation um, that would could also be integrated into this uh, new model, which we ended up calling uh, 3D problem solving. And so then it was kind of a mashup of uh, Don Miguel's work, uh, Prigogine's work, and Deming's work, which all together uh, became 3D problem solving. And the big thing with 3D problem solving is we can implement it and sustain it in healthcare. And in healthcare, um, all these other systems change pro uh, processes and models, things like Lean and Six Sigma and Lean Sigma and even Toyota, none of them can be sustained, uh, can be implemented or sustained in healthcare and 3D problem solving can. So we get the benefits of a systems-based approach uh, to problem solving, but also critically importantly, we can sustain it uh, uh, after we implement it. So I think that's the big uh, differentiator between 3D problem solving and some of these other programs that have been out there. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I'd certainly want to learn more. <laughs> well, 
here I am. <laughs> yeah. But Callie, go ahead. Let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's delve into this some more. In the spirit of learning more, how does your 3D problem solving method work towards building better healthcare workplaces? Um, well, there are a couple of things that are really, uh, I think, integral to uh, making it so we can implement it in healthcare. And one of them is that it uses a pull strategy rather than a push strategy. And you'll see that all of these other change um, programs and so forth, they're top down. So, you know, uh, someone up in the C-suite says, oh my gosh, you know, our next shiny object is coming down the road and we need to do this. And so basically it's pushed down through the organization and sort of dumped um, in the laps of staff and told do this and of course uh we know what happens when you push people you tend to get pushback and yeah. so um one of the things that we did uh, early on in putting the model together was uh, make sure we were using a pull strategy so we we basically take it to staff and we say hey um it's 100 voluntary only people who want to do it can do it um we never push anybody. Nobody's ever ordered to do anything. Um, so because it's all voluntary, it's only real, you know, change agents, people who really want to make a difference in healthcare, were drawn to it. And um, they basically come in and they become a part of the process because they want to. And of course, early on, they find, oh, my gosh, this uh, is really, you know, it's, it's, it's fun, it's inspiring, it's, um, and we actually can create the systems change that everybody is really looking for. And so they get to experience success. And so um, the, the program then grows organically just through word of mouth, where successes are kind of, you know, spread into other departments and uh, that sort of thing, both across and up and down the organization. And so we don't have that, uh, that other problem of, okay, we are now going to push it down into your department or, uh, you know, into uh, another area which might not be open to it. Yeah. I, what I like about that, um, you know, the push and pull concept is you definitely get better buy-in and adoption. And you get people who, you know, they make it their own. And, you know, it, it's funny, it, it's kind of like, our philosophy in caring support is to is to everybody to contribute to what we're trying to accomplish rather than and make it their own rather than just tell people this is what we want done. We want their creativity to come through because it's important to have that. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you, David. I think your approach to this is excellent. Yeah, I think there's a big um, a big difference too between buy-in and ownership. You know, when you when you're top down, you're trying to get buy in. And yep. when you think about buy in, you're trying to sell something and get someone to buy it. Exactly. And of course, um, there are a lot of people that, you know, don't like being sold to. Um, however, if you can create a space where people can create genuine ownership. So, for instance, with 3D problem solving, this becomes the way that people solve problems. It becomes the way that they lead and they manage. A problem comes up. Think about leadership and management. It's almost all problem solving. Yeah. And this becomes uh, a part of who they are in how they operate in 
uh, in healthcare or in the workplace, as opposed to um, having them buying into uh, a program. So in the end, we're always gonna be who we are. And so this idea that we become better people, you know, we expand ourselves, we have new skill sets that become a part of us. Um, I, I think that's really critical in the sustainability side of 3D problem solving. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Absolutely. You've worked with a lot of large and small hospitals using your 3D problem solving method. Can you tell us about a case or two where you went into an absolute mess and how your method turned that organization around? Oh my, yes. <laughs> we actually have an outcomes report for large and small hospitals. It's a fairly thick document, but uh, there are a few um, there are a few stories that are just, uh, gosh, um, I find them uh, even somewhat remarkable today. I'll, I'll share one with you. Um, actually, this was the first hospital that we worked in, and um, I had um, I had been on a call with uh, the CEO and with a couple members of the board, and and they had a couple members of the C-suite and. Um, I'll never forget this. Um, their CEO, uh, John, you know, he asked me, he said, well, how much work have you done in healthcare? And I said, none. And he said, well, what do you know about healthcare? I said, well, really nothing, except I know it's really goofed up. And um, there's probably a lot of good work if we could be done in there, if we could fix the systems. And he said, this might be the worst sales pitch I've ever heard. And I said, <laughs> I said, well, I know John, but I said, look, systems are systems. I said, it doesn't matter if it's healthcare or anywhere else. I said, I really do uh, know about systems improvement. And um, I said, it might even be a good thing that I don't know anything about healthcare because I don't have any preconceived notions right. about it. And so um, uh, he, they ended up taking a flyer on me. Um, but one of the first things that always happens when you're doing uh, consulting work in healthcare is they always want to give you their worst problems. And so one of their uh, worst problems was a wellness center that um, it was kind of the stepchild for the hospital. It was about a couple miles away from the main hospital. And uh, it had been really one of their worst um, departments, so to speak, uh, for probably close to a decade. Um, the year before, out of 272 similar facilities nationwide, they had been ranked number 272 by Press Ganey in customer satisfaction or patient wow. satisfaction. I mean, do you know how hard it is to be last out of 272? I mean, it's almost impossible, but they did it. And um, so they sent me down to, you know, work with the director down there and try and straighten this place out. And so I was uh, talking to the director and I said, look, um, we can probably, you know, I have no doubt we can straighten this place out. Uh, but I told him, I said, the, the opportunity for you is not really in straightening the place out um, if you want to, um, I'll train you in 3D problem solving and you will become an excellent leader and manager and problem solver. 
And I said, you can move up in the organization uh, out of that if you want to. So he said, yeah, um, he'd like to do that. And he was an incredible student uh, who later became the CEO of the hospital, I might add. But anyway, wow. um, the long and the short of the, the um, wellness center um, story is that um, in one year, actually, um, a little less than one year, they moved from number 272 dead last to the 96th percentile uh, with Press Ganey in patient satisfaction in one year. I mean, it's really pretty remarkable. I'm not sure it's ever been done, but we had no data to support that. Amazing. Wow. Well, clearly it makes a big impact. Uh, that's a great story. Thank you for sharing that, David. It's appreciated. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Ahead, You've also Colin. worked with an organization where you took their nurse turnover rate from 27% to under 5% in under three years, and you also raised their healthcare graduate hire rates by 66%. How did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, we just went in and did the systems work. You know, uh, people don't really understand that, you know, everything um, in healthcare is systems and subsystems all the way from the C-suite, you know, to the person, you know, that's sweeping the floors at night. And 94% of the outcomes that we get, good and bad, are a function of those systems and subsystems. So, so when we look at, let's talk about uh, turnover rates for nurses. Um, those turnover rates, good or bad, are a function of these systems, which are invisible to the people that work in them. They don't even know they exist. Right. Um, sadly, most of them think they do, which of course they don't because no one could know what the systems look like unless you make them visible, including me. And I'm a systems thinker. Um, but the only way you can make them visible is to take the people that work in the system and basically pull that information out of them and put it up, we call it on the wall, where you can see it. And that's what 3D problem solving does. It takes that information from the people that actually work in the systems and we get it up where we can see it. And then we condense it down into the critical 20% of the systems that are producing 80% of the problems we wanna solve. But going back to a minute, uh, uh, for a minute to nurse turnover, the vast majority of turnover, whether it's healthcare or any other workplace, are for two primary reasons. One is bad management and bad supervision. And the interesting thing about bad management and bad supervision, most of that is caused by bad systems. You know, I mean, managers, you know, they become bad managers when they're working in bad systems. The second one is, Let's talk about nurses, for instance. If you're working in bad recruitment and retention systems, including bad care delivery systems, um, it's you're not going to feel good working there, and you're not going to be successful. And of course, what's that going to do? It's going to drive you out of that job, just like it's doing in healthcare in general right now. And so we went in, and we were working, and we were working in nursing, and you know, one of the places we were working. And so we were fixing systems in nursing. And so all of a sudden people are getting happier because they're providing better care, they're feeling better about their jobs and that sort of thing. 
And at the same time, I was working with the CNO uh, on their uh, both um, retention systems uh, for their nurses and also in their recruitment systems for, um, for their nurses. So we basically fixed those and improved those. And the next thing you know, uh, we were getting, you know, 66% uh, more recruits, uh, new recruits coming from um, the, uh, the nursing school in the community. And we were also retaining, they had a 27% um, uh, rate of turnover in their nurses. And so now the nurses were get, they're becoming happier and they're recruiting uh, better. And so all of a sudden uh, the rates start to go down. And over three years, it went from 27% to under 5%. And they were competing against larger hospitals, you know, that could pay bigger bonuses and that sort of thing. It turns out that uh, if we fix the systems, those things don't matter nearly as much. Mm -hmm. You know what I love about that more than anything, and, and this is from our point of view. When we talk to a lot of healthcare organizations, and, and when they're talking over retention and turnover, they're often saying things like, you know, oh, that person left because of more money. And and I so I asked them, I said, well, how do you know? Well, and I said, did you talk to them? Uh, no. And I said, so how would you know? And I said, so that's that's speculation. I hate to say it, but it's almost like an excuse. And you're you're more like saying, you know something, guys? Like you ever heard of stay interviews? You ever heard of like taking the time to find out what's going on with the current state of nurses? But you know, the old adage, we somehow think it's going to be different in healthcare. And and sometimes people think this way of other things, but it's not. The old adage is people don't leave a bad company, they leave a bad boss. They leave and and whether it's the systems or the leadership, uh, you know, doesn't have the emotional intelligence and other things to be able to create an environment where it can feels conducive to people being feeling like they can flourish, grow, achieve. Uh, and and you know what's so important that they're heard, respected, listened to and people respond accordingly. That's a huge, huge factor because it's so easy just to go off and say, I'm going to go where the grass is greener, like measured by money. But then you still say, well, what happens if they treat me like crap there? I'm back to the same old thing all over again. So I, I think this is really great, David. I really appreciate this because I tell you, they need you more than ever now. And uh, they really do. You know, post pandemic, I guess we can say we're in that world now, but we're we're seeing a lot of stuff. So I don't mean to comedy the conversation, but we see this all the time in talking with healthcare organizations with the HR. And you know, and the turnover rate is insane. It's crazy, right? Sally, please. The UAB has just submitted two peer reviews on implementing the 3D problem solving method. What are you hoping to come out of those publications? Well, I think a lot. Um you know, healthcare is very much attuned um, to evidence-based um, processes, evidence-based care, uh, that sort of thing. They also are very much attuned uh, to peer-reviewed evidence-based um, information, particularly new information. And so the idea that um, these two peer-reviewed papers coming out of uh, a really good, you know, academic um, healthcare system 
uh, going to major journals, um, I think will open up mainstream healthcare, uh, both in the US and internationally to 3D problem solving. Uh, one of the papers is gonna be how UAB used uh, 3D problem solving um, for uh, looking at the wellness of staff and um, um, improving uh, turnover rates and burnout rates. And the second one um, is on how they used it to improve quality of care and safety. I mean, these are, if there are any bigger issues in healthcare right now, I really don't know what they are. No, absolutely. Um, I totally agree with you. I, I'm intrigued to learn more about this too and would probably love to see the results of that. Um, but, you know, I want to make sure we move this along. So Callie, please, by all means. So how can organizations contact you about getting your help with implementing the 3D problem solving method? Oh, thank you for asking that question. Um, probably the best way is you can go to our website. It's uh, thenewagreements.com. Uh, uh, also, you can go to daviddibble.com. And uh, there's all kinds of information on there, both on 3D problem solving. And also, um, you can contact me uh, through the website. I'm also available at uh, david at daviddibble.com. And then um, I am actually very uh, active on LinkedIn. I've I seem to be uh, very fortunate in creating kind of a tribe of kindred spirits working in healthcare who really do want to make a difference in healthcare, and um, and we've got you know some graduates out of our you know 3D uh, problem solving facilitator certification program, which um, my hope is we can scale that program into healthcare in a way where we really can turn healthcare around and start solving. Uh, some of these, uh, you know, these problems, particularly, you know, uh, coming out of um, out of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And thanks for sharing all that, David, because, you know, uh, I mean, this is how we connect us on LinkedIn. We're very active on there, both of us. But, um, you know, I've seen a lot of that stuff around it. People really respect and appreciate the work that you're doing, which is really amazing. Um, good for you. Thank you. Oh, Thank you uh, so much. I'm, it's you know, but it's working with people like you. I mean, I've already, I mean, I really love what you're doing out there. And I've, I've said, I am going to figure out a way, you know, to help you take, you know, your work and your message out into the world too, because, you know, healthcare needs that. Yeah, well, we'll be in the U.S. soon enough. <laughs> that would be a good place to start. We, um, you know, I think what's, what's really great about caring support is it's no, really any one person. It's a, a, a group of people unified together to make a difference. It's purpose driven. And, you know, it's not, oh, this is all about the money or this. No, it's about us making a difference in healthcare. So, um, yeah, I appreciate what you're saying. And, 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 you know, we are still relatively, well, not really new per se. Uh, it's just as we continue to grow and get more and more successful and bring more things into more features. We're working on an immigration channel this year. Uh, it's going to be, uh, it's already an awesome, but it's going to be amazing at that point, you know, because I think that that's the point where we've matured enough to really show the, you know, the whole suite of, of features and products that we will be able to, to show to the market. 
Before yeah. we kind of close things up today, is there anything else that you would like to tell us about? Um, I would just, I think I'd like to say that um, I believe that we are entering um, what I would call interesting times. Um, in, you know, being a, um, a bit of an expert on both, um, you know, systems-based improvement based on uh, Deming and also the law of dissipated structures, you know, based on Prigogine's work. Um, those, those principles are hard at work in healthcare. They're invisible, people don't know about them, but um, if we should, I think we're, we're coming up on a time where we're going to have to start making some really uh, difficult um, choices, new choices to go different directions um, in healthcare, particularly at the leadership and management level, because everything that has been going on in healthcare over the last 30 years plus uh, have been taking us down in essentially the wrong road. And that wrong road has stressed the systems to the point of breaking. And we're already seeing what Prigogine calls reorder um, that's uh, the breakdown of these systems that unless we get in there and repair these systems, uh, which can only be done by staff, um, particularly at the care delivery level, um, these systems are going to come apart and they're going to take uh, staff and patients down with them. And so we're in this, at this critical juncture where we're either going to be proactive in uh, making these changes, which are gonna be made one way or the other, uh, because the law of dissipated structures, there's no choice in where that's gonna take these things if we do nothing. Right. Um, I, I just think we're, we're reaching that almost a tipping point where you know, we gotta get busy doing our real work in the world, which is changing these systems and setting ourselves up and staff and patients for success. Excellent. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, whether it's a for-profit model or in Canada, I'll call it socialized medicine, um, they all have problems and they're all down to the processes. And there's a lot of great people working in healthcare, great people who are caught up in these systems and processes. And they very often don't know what to do about it or are not in a position to do something about it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, well, James, the the problem in healthcare is global. It yeah. makes no difference whether it's for profit or it's nonprofit or whatever the system is. Um, the care delivery systems um, are they are at the breaking point, regardless of whether it's the U.S., Canada, Australia, Europe. Uh, look, all you have to do is just look at what's happening to staff. They are burning out in mass all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a function of these systems. So, you know, I, I hear people say, oh, yeah, well, it's probably worse in the in the U.S. than in some of the other systems. But it doesn't change the fact that it's in all systems where Western medicine is being practiced. And we I, I would just say, look, we uh, we can't, you know, try and make it about even about just us. You know, it's not just about the U.S. or the Canadian system. It's about 
patients worldwide. You know, we don't fix these systems. Um, it's going to be staff and patients and communities that are going to suffer. Exactly. Yeah. Well said. Thank you, David. Appreciate the uh, the wonderful, insightful um, comments and feedback on this. It's amazing. Oh, thank you, James, and uh, thank you, Carly. It's just uh, it's been a pleasure, you know, to spend some time with you and. Um, I look forward to uh, to working with you uh, in the future as we we make a real difference um, in healthcare. Absolutely, Callie, go ahead. I think that's about all we've got for you today, David. It's been really nice having you on the podcast, and I think I can speak for James and our entire team when I say we look forward to what the future has for for everybody here and for the healthcare um, system. So thank you very much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to be with us. And uh, we're looking forward to working with you again in the future. Thanks so much. Uh, it's been such a pleasure. And uh, yes, onward and upward. Away we go. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, David. Have a great night.